There are players at exactly three positions, and not more than that, who can really, really show their stuff at OTAs. And man, I can't wait to see one of them. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Today is the opening to the media, I put in parentheses there, of the Steelers' OTAs. It's actually phase three of their formal off-season training activity, but it's the first that I'm allowed to see with my own eyes, and therefore, from my own personal prism here, I can tell you that it's the opening of OTAs. Hey, whatever works. The session begins at 10 a.m. There's no live reporting on these things, by the way. Uh, The policies that are in place in the regular season remain in place, so don't expect to see all kinds of social media fuss about this or that that occurs out there, unless it comes, of course, from the team. But even that's rare. The session ends at noon, after which there are interviews, and there are going to be some notable interviews, as you can imagine, since we have yet to speak with Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and others in quite some time. Just kind of setting the stage there for you. I am really looking forward to this, and there's nothing that I'm looking forward to more than how the individuals at the three positions at which you can actually show your stuff in this setting will perform. Those three positions are, of course, quarterback, wide receiver, and defensive back. Why? They're the only ones that can really go all out toward what they do best. The blocking and so forth is minimal. Hence, The physical activity is minimal, hence the running game shows you absolutely nothing other than literally walking through situations. In fact, all three of these sessions this week are labeled walkthroughs. But when it comes to passing, when it comes to precision route running, even deep route running, hey, go get it, man. Go get it. That's where all the oohs and the ahs come from, including from their fellow teammates, coaches, everyone who's out there. The offensive guys want to see a catch. The defensive guys will hoot and holler and taunt and everything else whenever their guy wins the battle downfield. But that's the main thing. That's actually, to be honest with you, the only thing. And when somebody asks afterward, uh, who looked good out there? It's going to be one of those three positions, trust me. And which of those three positions do I most want to see? Actually, I'll narrow it down beyond a position. I want to see George Pickens play football. I want to see George Pickens look healthy. I want to see what Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert saw at George's Pro Day that convinced them that his knee is no longer an issue, that he has no limitations, that he's still going to be the super freak athlete that everybody thought he was, and he was, going into his senior year before the injury. Oh, and one other thing about Pickens. I want to see him show up the other receivers. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying. 
Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Now, if calling on Pickens to show up Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool sounds, I don't know, kind of petty or whatever, okay, so what? Because I really think that for both of those individuals, Deontay and Chase, that there's a dose of humility that's really needed. And for very different reasons. They're different people. Deontay is a relentless worker. He'll catch a zillion passes a day. He learned that from Antonio Brown. He took the very best of what A.B. had to offer and made it into practice. But I don't think anybody would doubt or argue that Deontay hasn't held up through the completions of regular seasons the past couple of years. Maybe that's a physical thing. Maybe it's mental. I don't know. But there's something more that's needed there. He has another gear. I'm not one of those people who's satisfied at looking at his statistics and saying, oh, absolutely, number one receiver in the NFL, meaning he's a number one on the team. I I don't look at him that way. And I'm always surprised when anyone does. Chase, different story, you know. Chase shows up like a house on fire. Uh, makes some of the greatest catches you've ever seen in his first couple of weeks. And I guess pretty much thought, well, that's it. I'm here. He stopped fighting for the football. He stopped making an impact down low in the end zone. He even stopped. This is something that I don't think gets discussed enough. Making an impact in the running game. And you know what I'm talking about on those sweeps and on those end arounds where for a while there, he looked like he was just an automatic 10 to 15 yards every time he took one of those. Why? I mean, you can point to a million different things, not least of which is the offensive line or the coordinator or whatever. But, you know, make some plays, kid. Get back to making some plays. And that applies to both of these guys because if they don't, Number 14, and that, by the way, is the number that Pickens will be wearing today, is going to get every opportunity to make them instead of you. These new quarterbacks, and I guess you could kind of include Mason in that since he's in a different status, are going to be hungry for results for themselves. As such, they're going to throw the football where they feel it has the best possible chance of turning into a positive play. If that happens to be Pickens, like all the time, then that's the guy who's going to get the ball. Yes, drills are structured. Yes, there's a primary target on scripted plays. But I've also been to training camps where A.B. was freaking out because even though he was the third or the fourth option on a play, he didn't get the football. So there's some flexibility allowed. I hope that flexibility is exercised. This head coach loves this sort of thing, I should have you know. Mike Tomlin will be digging for scenarios like this. He'll attempt to create them. I could envision Tomlin telling Matt Canada or Mike Sullivan or whoever it is that's overseeing a specific drill, hey, guys, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Have the quarterback throw to Pickens like on five straight plays. 
<laughs> Can you picture this? And you're the other guys, and you know you're the primary target, and you're out there waving, and you didn't see Tomlin going up to the coaches. I'm just having fun here, but I think this is the kind of thing that will make this camp beyond the quarterbacks. Just so much fun and so fascinating to cover. Can't say it enough. I'm really looking forward to today. When we come back, just one question. time for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of luxembourg garbin kelly and george lgkg they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers comp and medical malpractice claims the attorneys at lgkg have been designated super lawyers capital s capital l for the past 15 years and yes that is a real thing the super lawyer designation is reserved for the top five percent of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Ralph Thomas, who says, so DK, did Mike Tomlin low-key hire Brian Flores because he, Mike Tomlin, is having thoughts of retiring? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but he, one, helped out a good coach who was on the brink of ostracization, two, kept defense at the helm, you know, the Steelers' Tomlin way, thereby ensuring his legacy, and three, kept Flores from being quicksanded in a bad organization. Just something I stew about on the drive to work. Thanks for the great podcast. Thank you for the question, Ralph. It's really well thought out. I strongly suspect that you thought it out way more in terms of the number of layers than Tomlin did, which isn't to suggest that Tomlin and Art Rooney and everyone else, and you can imagine that that conversation was not limited to the head coach's office, did. Because these guys had a lot of different things to consider, not least of which was ostracization of their own, meaning from the NFL. And I know that sounds crazy because, you know, there's the Rooneys, there's the Hallis family, and there's a couple other really, really still big names in the NFL hierarchy when it comes to ownership. But, you know, whenever it comes to money, as Dan Snyder is finding out in Landover, owners can get a little bit different about how they treat each other. And with Flores suing, actively suing the league, yeah, there were going to be some Feathers ruffled, and I'd be surprised if there actually aren't some. But Tomlin hiring Flores to come in and, you know, to give him the linebacker job, which he's grossly overqualified for, but then to also give a respectful nod after he'd already set up his defensive staff to say that he can function as a special assistant and you know that everybody in the Steelers' realm uh, all rose in the same direction. You know, all those cliches that you end up hearing from him in this specific context. All of that applies. And I honestly don't feel like, whether it's today at OTAs or in the middle of the regular season, 
you're going to get some sense of, ooh, power struggle at defensive coordinator or anything like that. Terrell Austin got the job. Terrell Austin's going to have the job. Terrell Austin is going to have the job in the same way that Keith Butler did, which means that all defense runs through the head coach and unapologetically so. And if there's anyone on staff who will understand that and appreciate it, it's going to be Flores because the same thing was set up in Miami when he was the head coach there. He was absolutely the defensive guy and unapologetically so. But taking this to the places that you just did, um, no thanks. I'm not getting into replacing, retiring, uh, or, or any of that stuff because there's just nothing to it. There's no substance to it. We'd be sitting here guessing and speculating, and I always try to be careful with that stuff. I know it's fun. I know it's entertaining. But I also know that all it takes is a handful of people to hear it and go, whoa, did you hear what that guy said on the podcast today? Tomlin might have hired Flores as a self-replacement, when in fact, there's just nothing, nothing whatsoever to support anything other than this being exactly what it looked like. Did Tomlin try to strike a little bit of a measure of justice? Yes, he acknowledged as much. He didn't run from that. He said so when he's been asked about Flores, and I'm sure he'll say so every time he's asked about it, presuming he continues to answer the same question. But his hire is so very clearly about just bringing in somebody who is a really, really good defensive mind, maybe a great defensive mind, and saying, hey, as long as you were around, meaning just sitting around not doing anything, do you want to help our football team? That's it. That's really it. I appreciate the question again. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, but I appreciate way more getting back over to the South Side to cover some actual football today.